sex talk. Derek the Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Derek and Miley. Hey, folks. Welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. Oh, I'm so... Oh, y'all, be ready. Be ready. I'm I'm just so excited for our guests today. Welcome, Dr. Ari Tuckman, author, psychologist, certified sex therapist. I'm going to underline that because, y'all, we need more of us. And ADHD expert. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show today. Well, I am super psyched to be here. I'm always happy to talk about this stuff with pretty much anyone who will stop and listen. <laughs> I feel like that's so many of us that are out here talking and trying to educate. We're like, well, just you, you get us going. We won't stop. Right. <laughs> so we're going to jump right in. This this episode is going to be called ADHD After Dark After Your Book. Tell us a little bit about the book. Tell us how you started like thinking about ADHD and relationships. Sure. So, you know, I've been focusing on ADHD for like 20 years now. And a lot of that was focused on kind of like nuts and bolts practical stuff. So like time management and staying organized and getting things done. And that stuff's definitely important. Like I'm not going to say it isn't. But more and more, I become interested in the relationship impact and specifically how it affects a couple's sex life. And really, that's where the book ADHD After Dark, Better Sex Life, Better Relationship came from, is that, you know, sort of this idea that a big part of our happiness in the world, a big part of how we see ourselves is based on our relationships. And if we're talking about romantic relationships, then, you know, sex is a big part of that. Like, that is a big part of what makes romantic relationships unique for most people and a big part of what kind of holds people together through the daily grind of annoyances and mundane things that need to be done. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like when you think about a relationship and the strains that uh, typical relationships go through, the, the folks that come into our offices, like how do you feel like ADHD plays a role and, and how can, well, we'll get into how can couples like and any kind of relationship formation help each other through this. But like, what's the biggest struggle you think you see in relationships with ADHD? I think the biggest struggle is how do you take two people who are rather different in certain ways and help them find a way to sort of find a joint way of doing things. You know, like I've got my preferences, you've got yours. How do we negotiate the differences? So like in some ways that's universal. Like that applies to everybody, straight couples, gay couples, whatever couples, thruples, quads, whatever. Like it's always about how do you negotiate the differences and find the common ground. The difference is when one partner has ADHD and one partner doesn't, it just sort of amplifies those universal struggles. And that's especially true when ADHD is undiagnosed and therefore untreated, or even if it is diagnosed but not really that well managed, the ADHD adds a layer to it and it evokes certain behaviors out of their partner often. And it's that sort of tug of war that becomes the most problematic. And yet, you know, these are the couples who can benefit all the more from the benefits of a good sex life and that, you know, the connection, the good feeling, the goodwill that comes out of connecting in that way. 
Absolutely. I just think you said something so powerful. Like I have expressed on the show before that my family, I have family members that deal with ADHD and this is absolutely true. This is absolutely the case for us. And I think you said something and I think there's many of us that have talked about like Gottman's method of working with couples and he talks about building the culture of appreciation, but you just put sex square center of building a culture of appreciation. Yeah. Well, because it is, you know, it's sort of, I mean, so much of life is just dealing with mundane stuff. You know, I don't want to sound like I'm depressed or anything, but no, like, but you're so right. <laughs> but that's true. You know, like everybody has, you know, somebody has to load the dishwasher. Somebody has to figure out, you know, matching socks in the laundry. Somebody has to like clean up the dog barf in the dining room. <laughs> yes. Right. Like we all got to do that stuff. And yet, hopefully, that's not the entirety of our life and the entirety of our relationship. And I think that, you know, having great sex is, it's like a little escape from all of that. And, when it's so easy to get into those, just those stupid, like, strifes and struggles, you know, like, not like big existential problems, but just like that aggravation and the like, you were pissy to me, so I'm going to be pissy back kind of thing. It's so important to have that goodwill that comes out of having a good sex life, both in terms of, you know, if I'm anticipating, if I'm looking forward, if I'm hoping to have sex tonight, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be nicer today, like during the mm -hmm. day. Yes. And if we had great sex last night, I'm going to be nicer today also, like the next day, you know? So, so it really goes both directions and has a positive impact both ways. It is that ultimate, not primary, but ultimate form of repair, right? We encourage people, of course, to manage their conflict more than just sex, but still it is, an, I think, in many ways, an important piece of coming back together. Yeah. And that's so much of life involves that sort of yo-yo, you know, like we have this stuff that pulls us apart and then hopefully we have the stuff that pulls us back together. Absolutely. So when you think about the uh, struggle, the thing that I talk to my clients a lot about, many times they will come in and they will express concerns about ability to perform whether it's some sort of erectile dysfunction, or even though I have many female identified clients that'll come in and they have a diagnosis of ADHD and they're not, they're not saying, oh, I think my ADHD is impacting my sex life. They're, they're saying like, I don't want to have sex. So it takes us a little bit of time to like, oh, okay, hey, look, it's you're struggling maybe even to focus while sex is happening. What? How do you kind of navigate that with folk? And how do you, what kind of maybe tools do you start to prepare them with so that they can have a sex life that is meaningful for them? Yeah, and I think that this is a good example of kind of looking at the broader picture and then looking at the specific sexual situation. You know, so some of the broader picture is if you're feeling tired, overwhelmed, stressed out, that's going to affect your sex life. And more for some people than others, generally speaking, more for women than men, but that's not always true, that it's just hard to sort of shift gears and get into that sexual mindset when there's so much else going on. I was just looking at a journal article yesterday that, you know, talked about sleep deprivation has a negative, I mean, duh, but has a negative impact 
on sexual desire. So, you know, so you, like you get on that hamster wheel where you're you're working too much, you're not sleeping enough, and then sex is the first thing to go. Except when you're tired like that, you don't care <laughs> that it's going. <laughs> you're like, nope, no, not today. In theory, but meh. So some of it is that. It's addressing that bigger picture. And in the research that I did as the foundation of the book, one of the things that I found was that one of the biggest barriers, like, or I kind of asked about 25 different potential barriers to better sex life. The most common ones centered on not enough time or energy to be mm -hmm. sexual. That's just sort of like it just gets squeezed out, not because nobody wants it, just sort of it somehow doesn't happen, maybe tomorrow kind of thing. Or alternatively, too much bad feeling towards each other, yes. which is really just another facet of that, that like if you're feeling stressed out about there's too much to do and you're feeling like I'm partially to blame because I'm not carrying my weight, you know, like that's a double whammy then. It's this context, context, context. All of the things of our life and our body system matter when it comes to things that we are important to us, but maybe we're not getting to because it feels like life is moving so quickly that we can't intervene in some way. So how often do you work with couples to kind of bring them back together? What little things do you, or big things, necessarily, like what things do you encourage them to start doing to improve their ability to connect with each other sexually? If one of the partners has ADHD, I often start there, not because it's, you know, the cause of whatever problems they have, but because it's sometimes some of the lower hanging fruit, particularly, you know, when it comes to their medication, if they're not on medication or they're taking medication, but it's really kind of suboptimal, like that's often an easy place to kind of have it, you know, have a positive impact. So some of it is that, some of it is helping, you know, address the broader context. So if they never get into bed together anyway, then you can't really talk about what's happening sexually. But if you address some of the context, then you get into, okay, what happens when you guys are in that kind of sexual situation? What happens? And, you know, sometimes it's a matter of, and this is, I think a bit more true of the nine ADHD partner of kind of letting that other stuff go, you know, like, okay, yeah, the kitchen mm. is a mess, but seriously, if we wait to have a great sex life until our kitchen is never a mess and there's never laundry to fold and there's never what, like, you know, you'll never have sex like that day will never come. So, Absolutely. you know, so it's kind of finding that balance of, yeah, let's address what we can and also let's prioritize it. And prioritizing sex means it is a thing that happens before other things happen. You know, like you can't say, my, our, you know, my relationship is the most important thing to me, except I'm not actually doing anything. And, you know, as an acceptance commitment therapy person, you'll appreciate this. You know, like you can't say it's a priority and a value and then not act towards it. You know, it's very, very true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want this so bad, but I'm not willing to shift or change my schedule or shift and change how I'm looking at the housework or I'm not willing to build that culture of appreciation. It's absolutely, completely necessary. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we need, we need shirts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, and the thing of it is, you know, like it's easy to fall into this kind of problematic dynamic when one partner has ADHD that the non-ADHD partner sort of takes on more and more because 
on the one hand, they're kind of better at just cranking out the mundane things of life. But, you know, kind of the dirty secret is they also kind of like having it their way often. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of one of the rules. I have these kind of two parallel rules. Like one is you can't have something done by someone else and also have it done your way. So sometimes you need to yes. give up some control. But, you know, the flip side of that, the corollary to that is you can't have too much done by someone else and also have them happy about it. So, <laughs> you know, so some of this is for the partner with ADHD to step up a bit more and say, you know what? I, yes, I will take care of that. I will take care of that. I told you I would do it. Now I'm going to set a reminder so that I will, in fact, do it. So that is some of it. But the other half of it is the non-ADHD partner has to perhaps let some things go, be flexible about what gets done or how or when, really focus on what is the thing that matters the most and where are the things that I can let things go. And again, this is true in every relationship. It just gets kind of exacerbated when one of the partners has ADHD. Absolutely. I think there's that when you have to give up control in a relationship, <laughs> no matter which which part of the relationship, whichever partner it is, it is an incredibly difficult thing to face that that is what you're doing, that you're holding on to a form of control that is actually not serving you. Right. Blows me away. It blows me away every time couples come in and this is the conversation we have. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's the thing of it is, it's not sacrifice simply for the sake of sacrifice, as in, I'm going to give this up. And whether it's the non ADHD partner giving up control to say, okay, fine, this will not be done the way that I want it, or it's the ADHD partner who says, I don't give a crap about this, but fine, I will do it anyway, not because you are making me, but because I'm making my own choice that, yes, I can do this because that's the kind of partner I want to be. But what is gained by it is more peace of mind, less stress, and a better relationship. So like you are still the agent of that decision. You are still the one making a choice to sort of act or not act. And I think that that's important because none of us want to feel like we're being forced to do something sort of like against our will, or we're just losing, we're giving up with nothing coming back the other way. You're, you're reducing that that dynamic that will often happen between couples where one will become the parent and one will oh. become the cared for or child, right? And breaking down that dynamic is so important because when you're a parent or when you're the warden, you, that's not sexy unless you, you know, role play. But, you know, it's not not sexy in the the not talked about way. Breaking down that dynamic is really important so that the relationship then becomes the goal. Quick break from the action, folks. <laughs> action. <laughs> I just want to tell you about my Patreon. Every week, I bring you guests and, seriously, lots of sex nerdery. <laughs> Help me keep doing that by becoming a supporter. What do you get in return? Cool perks. For real. I am going to be doing shout-outs, stickers, a bunch of stuff. So check it out at ericamiley.com forward slash Patreon. That's E-R-I-K-A-M-I-L-E-Y dot com forward slash Patreon. I hope to see you and see more of you by becoming a Patreon. Thanks, guys. Parent-child dynamic is a total sex killer. 
Like it totally well, is. And again, unless like you're into that and that's kind of what you're role playing, which, but like most people aren't, you know? So if your sex life is important to you, if your relationship is important to you, then you need to not be in the parent child dynamic. And the way to get out of it is not for the partner with ADHD to kill themselves to do everything the way their partner wants it done, nor is it that the non-ADHD partner just kind of gives up and says, fine, we'll just do everything your way. You know, like it's not one, it's not the other. It's something in between. And that involves some discussion about, okay, like seriously, what actually matters here? Like what is most important and therefore what's less important? So, you know, it's really important to me that the dishes get done the night before, you know, so we don't have dirty dishes to deal with in the morning. But I guess if there's a couple things soaking in the sink, like I can deal with that, you know, like I don't love it, but like deep breaths, I can, I can be okay with that. And then express appreciation about the fact that, well, at least you got the dishwasher loaded. Like, that's cool. I understand you did that more for me than for you. I appreciate that. Yes. Or I didn't want to get my hands wet. Thanks for doing that crap. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like that's that building culture appreciation, like doing things for the relationship, not turning the dynamic into the win-lose. I think that's absolutely essential. Now, I, I, my clients, my listeners, they all know that how, how big I am about mindfulness and, and learning about your, the connection that we have with our body. And we know from research now, of course, research is now catching up with what some Eastern philosophies have known for thousands of years, <laughs> how powerful mindfulness can be. But now that we know more, tell me a little bit about what you think about how we can support people with ADHD and maybe even using some of that mind-body connection. How can we support them in their relationships and around sex? So I think that there's a lot to be said for mindfulness. I mean, you know that. But I don't know if we can necessarily say that mindfulness is a treatment specifically for ADHD in the same way that like exercise, getting enough sleep and eating well is not a treatment for ADHD, but yet everybody does better with them. You know, So I think that it provides a good foundation. And I think in terms of sexual encounters, you know, just that presence, whether call it mindfulness, call it whatever, you know, but that being present in the moment, letting go of the other stresses and demands. And for some people, it will take a bit more effort to like shift gears into that sexual experience, which means, you know, more time for I wouldn't even say foreplay. I'd say like pre-foreplay, you know, so just kind of that lying there, kind of talking, a little bit of touching. By the way, loading the dishwasher and being nice at 8 a.m. is foreplay for 8 p.m. or 10 p.m. or whatever. That's right. So, but to have time for that leading into the sexual experience, and again, more for some people than for others, but that again makes it that much more important that you prioritize your time so that you know you can have a little bit of time leading in where nobody is falling asleep before the action happens. Absolutely. That that you can provide space that, oh, okay, my intention is we me and my partner have have agreed upon, oh, Thursday night is sex night. <laughs> so we're going to make our relationship a priority in a way that is it they it can start really small, like you said, is with the dishes at eight AM. That absolutely can buy you some real feel good feelings later in the day. It does. I mean, it totally does. And you know, what's good about whether you say Thursday is sex night or if it's simply in the morning, like, hey, maybe tonight's the night. 
having it to look forward to as much as it can feel some people will feel kind of like they'll sort of push back against it say like i i don't know that i'm going to be in the mood so i can't commit to that and they'll feel like it's a pressure thing so obviously like never do anything you don't want to do like that kind of should go without saying but I think the other piece of it is sometimes having it to look forward to builds anticipation. Like it gives you something to look forward to. It creates a bit of that spark and energy between the two of you. I mean, just like as a random example, I'm going to see a concert tonight. And as part of the looking forward to it, I've been listening to that band's albums, you know, I'm like, especially because stuff that I haven't listened to in a while. So like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, maybe we'll go out to dinner. Where could we go? What's around the venue? So, you know, like it's building, it's like getting good before I'm even there, you know? And I think it can be the same thing in a bit of flirting, a bit of whatever, like a little texting. It, It keeps everybody's kind of eye on the prize. It becomes that North Star that guides both of you, perhaps one more than the other, but it guides both of you through the day to like, let's get to a point so that at nine o'clock tonight, we're actually in a good position that we can do that, both in terms of how we feel about each other, but also so that there's enough that got done before that. So neither partner is feeling stressed out about like, uh, it's such a disaster. I've got all these emails. I really need to return them. But like I said, I would focus on you instead, you know, just to kind of make it easier for that to happen in a good way. Absolutely. And sidebar, you know, these people, well, let's say the younger people out there do not know how difficult it was for us to make a playlist before a concert. Yeah. We, you know, used to have to be really careful about how we curated that. Now you can just make a playlist on Spotify. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm also glad to hear that other, you know, other people pre-game with music (laughs) before the concert. Right. We're we're the same kind of nerd. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like he's you know you need to know the words, you know, how to sing along. So that's great. (laughs) But it really does apply to a sexual encounter in terms of, you know, thinking about, I don't know, like do you need to do you want to change the sheets beforehand? Or I don't know, I have a couple where the guy has ADHD and the woman was like, you know what? It really stresses me out when the bedroom is a mess. Like it makes it harder for me to focus on sex. So like that's part of the foreplay is for this dude to clean up his crap all over his side of the bedroom, you know? So, Mm -hmm. you know, that takes a bit of, you got to have the time ahead and you got to have maybe the motivation to do it. And hopefully getting laid is a good motivation for this guy. I definitely have had couples and with one person with ADHD and oftentimes they talk a lot about their, their sensory experience and how sometimes they themselves have a hard time focusing on the pleasure of what's happening or their partner because of what's happening in their sensory experience. Right. And if that's the case for you, I think, first of all, just know that that's true and kind of accept it and like, okay, yeah, that's just me. But, but then to communicate it and for your partner to understand that that is the deal and for them to not take it personally. I think that all of us, you know, like we like to feel competent just generally, but we really like to feel competent in the bedroom. And if this is something that's affecting your experience, talk to your partner about it. And if you tend to get distracted during sex, then, you know, talk about like, how do, how do I get myself back in the game? Or if you feel like I'm getting distracted, do not take it personally, do not read anything into it. Let's just kind of like bring it on back. This is where that mindfulness stuff comes in 
this is where maybe possibly for some people, a little bit of medication on board while you're having sex can be helpful. Although overall in my survey research, I did not find, like most people did not feel that medication did anything. You know, stimulant medication was particularly helpful during a sexual encounter. But if you are one of those people for whom it could be, then, you know, go for it. I think that's really, really fascinating that they were able to kind of determine like the difference that it wasn't giving them as much help as maybe they had hoped. Yeah. And, you know, which is really sort of, I, I actually think this is really cool because that was one of those bits of advice that I was giving and some other people were giving is, you know, if you tend to get distracted, you know, in general in life and medication is helpful there, then probably it would be helpful during sex also. And yet, when I did this survey that had like 3,000 respondents of folks who are in a relationship with one ADHD partner and one not, really the survey data does not support recommending medication as a general thing. I mean, there is a small subset for whom it's true, but for most people it isn't. So it just sort of reinforces that basic idea of you got to do what works for you. Yes, absolutely. And have a few skills in your back pocket of, okay, these these one, two, three things I can do to bring myself back to what's happening right now. Right. And I think also having enough of that lead in to build the excitement, to build desire so that it does then sort of push out any of those other distractions that, you know, if you're one of those people who has trouble shifting gears into being sexual, you know, a quickie is probably not going to be your thing. And, you know, that your partner needs to know that and to really talk about like, how do we get ourselves in the mood? How do we get each other in the mood? Like, what are you looking for in a good sexual experience? Which is like, obviously good advice for everybody when it comes to sex. But, you know, it's especially important that then to be able to have those conversations means you got to be doing well generally in the relationship. And, you know, feeling good about each other or good enough during the day. If you're feeling angry, if you feel like your partner's angry, if there's a lot of like power struggles and strife, you're not having those vulnerable conversations in that context. And then your sex life is going to suffer for it. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. We could be here all day. We could just just talk about this all day long. (laughs) (laughs) Be ready. People be like, why is this episode so long, Erica? So tell me, how do people find you in the world? And what do you have going on? Uh, what's coming up soon for you um, that people can find you? Best place to find what I'm up to is my website, adultadhdbook.com, which now that I have a book about ADHD and sex has like a whole nother meaning than it did. <laughs> um, but I've got information there on my books, on my podcast. I've got information about upcoming presentations as well as recordings of some past presentations. So, you know, lots of good information on ADHD in general and then ADHD and sexuality. And the next big thing for me really is the big ADHD conference of the year sponsored by Chad, ADA, and ACO, which are the three kind of ADHD advocacy organizations, is going to be in Philadelphia November 7th to the 9th. So depending on when exactly this gets released, it'll be a little bit tight, but we'll be in Dallas in 2020. So, you know, November 5th to the 7th. So that's always a good 
you know, resource for information about ADHD and three organizations are really good. I'm the conference co-chair, so I'm slightly biased. But nonetheless, you know, point here is the better you understand ADHD, if that is a part of your life, yours, your partners, your kids, whatever, or all of the above, you know, definitely information is power. So, you know, learn about it, take it seriously, do something about it if it needs to be, if there's something that needs to be done. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for being on the show today. And thank you folks for listening all the way to the end. I will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.